you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Here comes Gurley right up the middle and right away. A touchdown for the Rams in 12 seconds. Third and four, running back covered. Second option covered. Hoyer on a run. First down, touchdown. Brian Hoyer. Receivers out there, Hoyer can't get the playoff. Aaron Donald with the big one for the Rams. Aaron Donald closes up shop for the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff threw for 292 yards, three touchdowns. Todd Gurley had three scores. Uh, welcome back to the Superstar Club, Todd Gurley. And the Los Angeles Rams withstood a furious late charge by the San Francisco 49ers in a 41-39 win at Levi's Stadium. Greg Rosenthal, we're going to get to uh, the rest of the heroes, and I mean all the heroes. All the heroes minutes. in the house today. Uh, but for now, let's talk about that this was a game that the Rams needed, especially after having a big lead, this thing feeling like it was salted away, and then they pulled it out. This was a game the NFL and its league-owned network needed. Los Angeles football needed this This is the game the Los Angeles football market needed, and most importantly, Greg, it was a game we, the fans, needed 41-39 on Thursday night. Who would have thought game of the year, and there's really not uh, any competition, happened to be Rams 49ers Thursday night football. Sean McVay, the Rams coach, walks into the press room after the game. First thing he says, anybody got a beer? You know, because it was, it was that kind of game. he's just a young guy and he's feeling himself. <laughs> it was that kind of game. The highest scoring game in Thursday Night Football history. The only 41-39 to 39 game in NFL history. And it was a lot of fun. I think if you're a Rams fan, obviously the most exciting Rams game since they moved back to Los Angeles because you saw what a difference Sean McVay can make, and you started to see the possibilities, not just for this week, but for the future of an offense that's that's quite deep. That's not just Jared Goff, but you got Watkins, Robert Woods making plays, Gurley, Cooper Cup had a quiet night, but there's, there's a lot of people here. I mean, the difference between Jared Goff that we're seeing in these first three games and what was the tape he put out last year, It's a, listen, let's be honest, it's a total indictment of uh, the Jeff Fisher era, and, and, and but also 
uh, give credit where it's due to this current coaching staff now, which has clearly identified what Goff does well and made him comfortable. And obviously he's throwing the ball with confidence. I thought he made several killer throws. Sammy Watkins, welcome back to relevance, is is all of a sudden a, a, a big-time player again. He made an amazing, almost a Willie Mays-type catch. <laughs> uh, my colleague Patrick Crawley, our colleague downstairs, tweeted. I thought that was a, a, an apt comparison. And then, you, you know, you look at Goff now as a, a performing quarterback. Todd Gurley, Greg, we talked in the offseason and you wrote about it. How is it fair to wonder if Gurley is a guy that could end up being a miss after being what seemed like a can't miss guy after his rookie year? I mean, he's putting all that to bed. 28 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He had uh, he had uh, five more catches as a receiver uh, for 36 and a touch. I mean, this offense looks really good right now. And Wade Phillips' defense, he was probably – Not so much. Yeah, he he had a, a tough day. He looked like he was going to pull his hair out at the end of the game. But they were able to get it done with Aaron Donald, and they just brought the heat and basically basically said, that's it, end this game. <laughs> well, they, they were fortunate. They did get the two-point stop that would have tied the game, which I, I almost wanted to happen, even though I was kind of rooting for the Rams because I wanted to see Goff get a chance to try to win it with two minutes left. They stop him. They give up the onside kick, and then there's a, a offensive pass interference call, which I think a lot of people are going to be looking for the coach's tape on yeah. because we never saw a good angle. The angle NBC showed us didn't show anything, but it's possible – uh, that the the penalty occurred because that essentially ended the game uh, for the 49ers. And it's too bad because, you know, Brian Hoyer and especially Pierre Garçon and Carlos Hyde deserve a lot of credit for keep coming back in this game. I mean, Garçon had one of the best catch that that's going to be in the top five catches of the year. At, oh, yeah. at the end of the year. That was, that was an absolutely insane catch. I mean, they put both teams put on a great show. And you really hope you really hope that that, the, a, coach's ang- a coach's tape or another angle shows that that was OPI because that would kind of mar what was such a great game because it's a totally different game if the laundry stays in the pocket there. They're, it, they're moving the ball. They're almost in field goal 10, range. They're about 10 yards at a field goal range, uh, at a comfortable field goal range, uh, but instead it becomes third and 20. And even if, Greg, on, on second down, on second and 10, I believe it was, uh, it was a screen pass that got blown up very close to not getting blown up. Collinsworth was asking for another look at it, but the way the time worked out, we didn't get to see. But you could tell that the Rams brought the house, and if he would have broken that tackle, he might be gone. I I think Wade Phillips will get this defense together. Aaron Donald has not been himself. I know... I know Chris Collinsworth said he dominated this game at the end. I didn't see that. They were definitely running at him a lot. He made some plays in the passing game. Uh, Playing two games in in five days after only practicing three times is tough. tough. And they're still learning this offense, figuring out the defense, figuring out the pieces. The the fact that they can win games offensively is amazing. I just want to point out before we go, the Andrew Whitworth signing is so massive because the thing that stands out watching Jared Goff is he has all day to throw on a lot of these a lot of these plays, and he's finding receivers open. And that's that's nothing to take away from what he did because he had some pretty passes. He showed a little bit of everything, a little deep, a little touch, a little on the run. So you got to be excited if you're a Goff fan. Yep, you have to be very excited. If you're, I was sitting next to a Rams fan, in fact, the Paramore, uh, Chris Wessling's um, – Some team of ATL buzz, let's just say it. We were saying it actually on the couches, on the couch sitting at the Par- Paramore's apartment. She was going nuts watching a, a sure victory slip away possibly. It was 41-26 to 26 with 8.43 to play after Sammy Watkins' second touchdown. But at the end of the day, 
the Rams get the job done. And if you're a 49ers fan, frustrating that you got that close and then you ended up losing it, a perfect onside kick. You kind of think they're going to steal the game. They don't, but at least you showed some fight and you showed that your team, that can score some points with Kyle Shanahan. Maybe they will have some wins up their sleeve they're, eventually. But they're, they're much, 0-3 right now. They're much better than 0-3, and there's a lot to be excited about. But I, I was hearing a lot of little, a lot of like 49ers buzz. It's like, don't don't count this team out yet. Like This could be a 6-7-8 win team. Like I like being like this loss especially. Especially, I don't know about that. Got to win once. 0-3 now. The Rams now 2-1. and And there's excitement uh, for Los Angeles football. Let's see if that uh, equates to sellouts at the Coliseum. And, and if there's I mean, buzz. how about the return of West to Los Angeles football? That's going to be a big booth. Oh, my goodness. Well, no more delaying. Greg, tease it up. So let's move on to the second portion of our uh, podcast where we preview the rest of the week three games. Take it away, me. The Around the NFL podcast is 100% cancer-free. Back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Cut the music. That's not the music we need right now. There's somebody else in the studio right now. He's a man that uh, was on a journey, a life's journey. It took him away from us for a while, took him out of commission, put him in a hospital. They cut him open. They took out what was bad, and they left what was good. <laughs> and now, he sits in the spot we've always needed him to be, where we've missed him. And now he returns. He is the mailman, Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. <laughs> I thought you were going Patrick Claybon there. <laughs> Keep it up. Chris Wessling's back on the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head and Shoulders. <laughs> the shampoo people are excited too. And conditioner. It's two and one. That's why it's a good shampoo. Let the record show. I did indeed beat Andrew Luck back to the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, did it. Never a doubt. Sticking it to Colts management. They mishandled that whole situation. <laughs> we handled it. Per- we handled it. Th- you know what? Everybody in Colts management should look at this podcast. We were always very upfront with the audience. Some might say too upfront. Some would say too upfront. We said, you know, Wes is going through this process. Wes took you through the steps. He showed up and spoke and, and c- communicated with the people. And now here he is back. And I'm not saying you're beating the Colts uh, shows that you're, you know, better than Andrew Luck. But I kind of feel that's what this is about ultimately. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> thanks to medical technology, I haven't had a voice until last Friday. I went to a doctor to get injections in my vocal cord. And within seconds of the procedure, I could speak again. It was, mm. it was miraculous. Wow. I, I'm not 100% on my voice yet, but it's pretty you, amazing. You guys heard yeah. me a couple of weeks ago, and it was it was totally different. It was it it wouldn't have been possible to be on a podcast. It was a whisper. Um, so Wes is back, and well, how do you see this, Wes? Is this uh, you stopping in? Or are you part of the show now? We haven't even had this conversation yet. Are you back? Let's see how my voice does for the whole show. But I'd like to be. On the podcast from now on. 
Um, I'm not back in the office yet for a full written work schedule, but um, as soon as I get on top of my eating and energy level and all that stuff, I should be able to come back soon full time. But I think I can do the podcast from now on. Well, we, just, we need you, buddy. It hasn't been the same during the season without you or not before at all. the season. And even physically, I'm used to having Wes a foot to my right, mm. and it's been weeks and weeks, and it's been hollow in here because of that. So this is completely different and new and good. Yes. We are so happy, Wes, to have you back. And, uh, the, you know, just having Wes back as a friend is great. But we also get the scientist back. You know, Greg had his run of the <laughs> shop downstairs, and he took advantage of it. He was causing a whole ruckus downstairs in the lab. But now? No, I didn't like it. I needed someone to argue with. Now well, the scientist is back. Oh, you were doing plenty of arguing, Greg. <laughs> yeah, there was still plenty of Greg on the show. But now you have the other scientists to bounce off, and that's important too. Well, I have my kissing cousin too. There's nobody whose football mind I respect more than Greg's, but we all know he needs a foil. He does. <laughs> he does. And I needed someone to argue about friends with. So you, <laughs> you check so many boxes, Chris Wessling. Uh, so, yes, this is the Around the NFL podcast in full. Such a happy day for us. A- and we have so much to get to, which you heard at the very top of the show, of course, uh, was the recap of the Thursday night football a matchup between the Rams and 49ers. Uh, here's the good thing. That game's gone, and now there's more football. In fact, there are 30 teams still that got to play football, which you divide by two, and what does it give you? 15 games. And that's what we're going to break down today uh, on the show. And I don't see any reason to delay any longer. I think we should get into the games. And uh, why don't we start, uh, gentlemen, with... Are you ready, Wes? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm excited. Wes has got his little notebook. It's like very – the handwriting is meticulous. It's got – it's it's. I think it's leather-bound. Wes says it's not. <laughs> but it looks leather-bound, <laughs> and that's the most important thing. Uh, and he's got his little uh, iPad on the side, and then he's got a laptop in front of him. Where's your mouse? You usually have your MacBook mouse, I which forgot. I always thought was superfluous, but – I forgot it. Okay. It's a scholar. So Wes, not all the way back when the mouse is back. That's the mouse really is purely back. for tweet deck because it's hard to maneuver from column to column without a mouse. Tweet. Preach. So this is a scientist uh, to, to the fullest form right now. Let's get into it. The Ravens 2-0 and um, travel now uh, to uh, Jacksonville to face a Jaguars team. Travel to London. Travel. To oh, we're going friends. to London. That's there you right. Go. Thank you, uh, Greg. But we're not. And so much excitement. We are definitely not going to London. I could tell you that. Sorry, guys. Um, th- this game, though, is in London. It's a 930 Eastern start. And you would almost think that, you know, you know, Dan messes around with the time zone stuff and he throws a little bit of shade, you know, figure it out yourself. Oh, well, at least for the London game, he'll say what time it is in London for kickoff. No, figure it out. Not my problem. I know it's 6.30 here, which is early. But anyway, so this game will be played in London. And and you have um, a 2-0 Ravens team. And we're going to start with you, Chris Wessling. uh, That looks like we're back to the old Ravens with the great defense and and the offense that makes enough plays to win games. And they just start stacking wins and get to 10-11 wins. Uh, They are going to Jacksonville to face or going to London to face the Jaguars. Your thoughts? All summer, my favorite defense for this season was the Baltimore Ravens defense, and it's been every bit as impressive as I expected. Ten takeaways in eight quarters. Mm -hmm. They've only allowed ten points. They've got as many takeaways as points allowed. And now you've got the perfect recipe of Blake Bortles, who gives the ball away as much as any quarterback on the other side. This is a one-sided game. Can anyone convince me otherwise? 
I couldn't agree more. And it's a team in Jacksonville that's basically telegraphed for weeks since the summer, basically, what we're going to do on offense. We're basically going to run at you and hide our quarterback. And last week against Tennessee, that didn't work for them. It did in week one. Fournette was shut down last week. It did not work, and it's not going to work against Baltimore's run defense. Well, the, the argument would be that the, this Ravens offense might not be very good. I mean, the Ravens could – if they wanted to have a historic defense, you couldn't have set up a earlier, better start to the season than getting this Bengals team who's not right, and then you get the Browns and the Jaguars. So this offense for the Ravens doesn't need to score much, but they've looked better – uh, I think then we've probably expected overall. They've, they've moved the ball fairly well, especially on the ground. I'm excited to see, though, Leonard Fournette against this Ravens defense. I mean, Leonard Fournette, even last week when he didn't have many yards, he makes some plays where he just seeks out contact. And these are going to be car crashes between him and Terrell Suggs and him and Brandon Williams and him and Pierce. Like that, to me, will be a fun matchup when the Jaguars have the ball. Wait, is Terrell Suggs, who at some point was replaced by a 25-year-old. What? I mean, like, the, oh, the guy, in his body. He looks ageless. completely reborn. It's one of those guys, sneaky, annoying. Everyone else ages, gets grizzled. <laughs> Terrell Suggs seems to just hit the pause button at right around like 2011. Eh, it's fine. He's Whatever. playing God. better. He's playing better than he has in years. Absolutely. And with Fournette, we saw in the opener, teams are going to stack the box. Everybody's seen that he ran against more stacked boxes than anyone in that game. And then last week showed. The teams are really going to practice gang tackling him. The Titans, you could see, made a concerted effort. As soon as one person hit him, seven or eight people jumped on him, and the Ravens are going to do the same thing. He had some of the best three-yard runs where he would break three tackles to run two yards. We love our listeners in London, and I'm sure there's a number of them that are listening to the show right now that are excited to go see this game. Uh, Maybe some of you are Jaguars fans, and I got bad news for you. It is not going to be pretty. The Jaguars are going to struggle for all the reasons we've laid out. And I'm breaking it out early, and it serves as a reminder so nobody forgets. <laughs> hey, Baltimore Ravens, you're going to win. You know how confident I am? I'm going to lock it <laughs> Double that. Oh! Oh! He'll have a double! The Ravens are my lock, too, and I would yell, but I don't think my voice could take it. It just reminds me, by the way, that's like when you're now training your voice to get back to where you were pre-surgery. That's what you have to get to. That's the goal. That's a tough tough goal for any of us. That's the top of the top of the mountain. That's what you're climbing. It's very hard for me to believe that my voice could once do that. (laughs) Anyway, I I feel for these these London fans because the Jaguars have. I think they've done a smart thing going there every year. They really have built up uh, a fan base there. It, despite not having a lot to cheer for. And, this, and it's like we've normalized Blake Bortles. You know the way we've normalized some things in this country? We've normalized the fact that Blake Bortles is still starting for this quarterback, this team. Like, it should be insane to us that Blake Bortles it, is still the No, it's starting. insane. It's definitely insane. When Last October, we were saying that he was holding the entire organization right. hostage, and they did nothing in the offseason. Uh, let's move on, guys. Uh, the Denver Broncos are uh, 2-0, and and they've looked very good early on. Both their defense, very good. Their quarterback is playing very well. And now they go to Orchard Park to face the Bills. And uh, I'll ask you this, Mark. Um, is the Broncos' 2-0 and start legitimate? Because I know, if you remember last year, they were 4-0 and came down to earth, finished 8-8. and Is this team better than that team? It couldn't possibly be more legitimate. It is a much better team than last year. They can stop the run. 
They absolutely aggressively gang-tackled Ezekiel Elliott from wire to wire last week. We've never seen that happen to Ezekiel Elliott that way. And they can run the ball. C.J. Anderson looked like Ezekiel Elliott last week. Trevor Simeon, we've been talking about him for a long time now this season. It's Listen, this guy is fun to watch. They're, this is a complete team that has sort of a Super Bowl feel to it. Mm. At this stage in the season, it's the best quarterback play they've gotten since 2014. I mean, this is a team that's no longer held back by that position where it was the past couple seasons. The, the crazy thing is I turned on to watch that game again, and I'm, I'm expecting, okay, it's going to be one of the best Simeon games ever. And really, the last two weeks, I don't think he's played any different than he played last year. He's just been kind of – he's been solid. He's been making some good throws. He hasn't been making mistakes, but it's the rest of the team that's playing great around him. Shaq Barrett on defense has been about as good as, as anyone. And you mentioned the run game, the run defense as a team. They're all just helping Simeon and supporting him. I am very impressed by Simeon, though. I think the one difference I've seen is he's more confident. And you can see that in the throws he decides to pull the trigger on. That first touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders, yep. who's even pulling the trigger on that throw? It was perfect. I guess, I guess running the offense in a way he couldn't in the past. I guess I look at it like, he, to me, that was what stood out of him last year is he did pull the trigger. He did go for tough throws. He did make a lot of wow throws. But now he's he's not under pressure nearly as much. I think he's he's been at a very nice baseline and everyone else is playing. Well, he's also healthy. That's how they got to 4-0 yeah. and then he got hurt and they the, the team fell apart. Maybe the pressure aspect is both on the field and Paxton Lynch falling on his face this summer removed that probably in terms of having to look over his shoulder. He knows this is his team and he's playing that way. What about the Bills? I mean, uh, you know, they should, they really, I mean, if, if you watch that game, they probably should have won that game. Uh, the the Panthers outplayed the Bills um, throughout that game, but if their wide receiver makes a catch, they probably win 10-9, and we're talking about a totally different situation, but is this going to be looked at? Maybe that was their chance uh, to be an exciting team at 2-0, and now it's kind of downhill. Are they going to wiped here? Well, I would say this is a trap game for the Broncos, who, look, they're 2-0, and and everything's gone right for them except losing their left, tankle, or their left tackle to an ankle injury. But they've also won 80% of their games at home over the last four years, mm. and they've had two home games. It's hard to play in Buffalo, and as much talk about tanking or whatever, the Bills, the effort is there, and their front seven on defense is legitimate. That's and, exactly and what I wrote in my notes, because this is a well-coached team, I think. And the idea that they're tanking based off of roster moves, the effort is there, and they absolutely look like a team that is, is playing hard for Sean. Oh, I never I never bought that they're you went tanking. first name there. You're just Sean. Sean? Just, well, I, he's a Sean. Could get the last name out there. <laughs> <laughs> they they haven't given up. Got to move quick in this room. They've they've only scored. They've only given up twenty one points. They're a good defense. Like and and all the talk of the improvements in Denver has not extended to pass protection, especially not with Garrett Bowles gone this week. Menelik Watson has been a disaster. So I expect Simeon to be back under fire again. And you would think this game will be close. The Bills, I think, have have a team, and this is a a recipe to really test that Denver rush defense. I mean, they have a recipe running in defense to keep it close. I think Menelik Watson has given up more sacks in two games than Andrew Whitworth has given up right. in the last four years. My one counterpoint, Denver going 3-0. and I'm locking it up! Oh. Well, I, tr- I went with the Browns last week. I've got no, to turn this thing around. There was the, yeah, you are I'm not doing the, that again. There was the um, – you, you've been 0-2 in locks – the Browns are 0-2. And, and my two Super Bowl picks are a combined 0-2. 0-2. 0-2 E, both. 
So off so to a I, roaring start. I would say, like, I would say, oh, that was a little bit of a safe call. But after going with the Browns, you deserve a little slack there. That's good lockup. Ravens over Jags. Not I was exactly gonna say jumping, I, I would, jumping out on a cliff. I would there, go right? the well, Bills are a, a everyone's bigger. Everyone's all risk. excited about the Jaguars like oh. seven days ago. So let's all calm down. I mean, now, if we went, if we went I mean, to the just, desert, if we're gonna go the Ravens road, are a much yeah. bigger favorite than, than the Bills. So to your uh, point, know. Mark. Everybody, it's fair. everybody, you know, all the Jaguars fans in the room, you know, now is fleeing. Just remember. Nice attempt, at the, nice attempt at the spin zone there, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying exactly. it. Let's move on. Week three, the New Orleans Saints in desperate, desperate need of a victory. 0-2, and they got to – you can't start 0-2 because, you know, if week three – that's the thing with these 0-2 teams. If you bang yourself in those first two weeks, you drop a home game, maybe two, like Cincinnati, who's in a similar predicament this week, you might not get any favors from your schedule maker. So in the case of the Saints, 0-2, now got to save their season with the win. But the schedule sends them to Charlotte to, to, to face the Panthers, Greg, a team that right now on paper and, in, and when you watch the games has perhaps the best defense in the NFC. So tough spot for the Saints. Very tough spot. They're not special offensively. I think they really miss Teron, Teron Armstead at left tackle because their pass protection for Drew Brees just hasn't been great. They're, they're moving the ball a lot. Like It was like against the Vikings. They were in the red zone as many times as the Vikings, and I think they went 1 for 4 or 0 for 4. Last week against the Patriots, very similar. They just can't finish drives, and that kind of goes back to the running game. Not just that, like, okay, Adrian Peterson, he's not getting on the field that much. He's not getting yards. Mark Ingram's not getting yards, and Alvin Kamara's not getting yards on the ground either. It's not just that they're not running a lot. Even when they are running, they're getting two or three, three and a half yards. There hasn't been any explosive element in terms of their running game. It's a bit early to write off their running game with the, all the Great. offensive line injuries. And you remember, like, five years ago when Mark Ingram was a uh, – he was a tell as soon as he entered the game because they didn't want to use him in the passing game. And he would only be in – if Mark Ingram was in the game, the defense knew he was running the ball. And now that's what Adrian Peterson's doing. Yep. Mm. So they have to come up with – Sean Payton has to come up with a system where the defense isn't, isn't going to know exactly what you're doing just by tipping your hand on which running back you're using on that play. When it comes to Ingram and Peterson, because I think Kamara obviously can be used in completely different ways than either one of those guys – it's, I, I come back to this where I feel like there's one too many running backs in this mix where I feel like if I'm Mark Ingram, I want to see him run the entire game, get him in a flow, or same with Adrian Peterson. I, I don't like Adrian Peterson coming in, what, the second half last week? Did he even play in the first half? I mean, it's like you're waiting, you're putting this guy in ice for two quarters. You're not going to get a warmed-up Adrian Peterson by, by rotating. And you're going to have a hard time running against Carolina in this defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you look at the Saints and you're just like, haven't we... Not only have they started this way before and the defense is bad, but like the storylines are the same. It's like it's like Sean Payton and the and the Saints are like script writers in the ninth season of Friends that are just reusing season six. They're like, hey, let's do the bench Kenny Vaccaro motivation uh, storyline again. Didn't it? Wasn't that 2015? Yeah. Like it's the exact same thing. Greg, uncomfortable to go with just Sean there. <laughs> Should have went just Sean. It, just, it shows a, a level. Shot. Closeness. Uh, how about the Panthers' offense? It's a concern to me because I still – I'm not even a Panthers fan, and I'm still mad uh, Cam Newton missing that chance to put that game away with a, a gimme TD to McCaffrey near the goal line. He's he's not right. 
They're obviously he's still getting healthy. He got no banged, Greg Olson. He got banged up again, and now there's no Greg Olson, who has been his security blanket. So what does that mean? Kelvin Benjamin has to step up. Kelvin Benjamin's been banged up. Devin Funches has made some plays, and you think maybe he'll continue uh, to develop as a player. But to me, there's still Wes a lot of things to worry about. Are the Panthers going to score enough points, especially if the Saints and really a do or die game for them? You think they're probably going to come out and put up some points and put up a fight. Can the Panthers keep up if that's the case? Oh, everybody was giving them so much credit in week one for not allowing a sack. And then Jerry Hughes was too much for Matt Khalil to handle last week. Are you, and, was that like a subtweet of me? I hope it is. Like, that's how we know the real Wes is back. I have no idea that you were – that you were uh, – Uh-oh. Yeah. Down in the ro- wow. We're, we're tangling in the lab. I didn't know that you were throwing verbal bouquets <laughs> at the Panthers' offensive line, but – I think Lorenzo Lorenzo Alexander also caused a couple of holding penalties on Daryl Williams, and their offensive line is not good. And I think another problem, Eddie McCaffrey, or not Eddie McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, too easily getting arm tackled right now, and that was the knock on him coming out. Mm. Maybe he gets healthy against his Saints defense, which is kind of abominable. I feel like in an alternate reality, Christian McCaffrey has like 416 – Yards from scrimmage, but in this reality, that's not happening. It'll be fine, but it is funny that he had the most preseason hype of all the rookies, and there's about four or five of them right now who yeah. have just a fantastic first two weeks. That's fair. Moving on, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 2-0. and And 2-0, and and this is either good or bad, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, without their offense really clicking at all. They made some plays. They had some chunk plays. Martavis Bryant got going a little bit. Uh, last week in the win over the Vikings, uh, which was a good sign. But Le'Veon Bell is has not had holes. He's not looked like him old self, his old self quite yet. Uh, Big Ben uh, is now gone, I believe, eight straight games without a 300-yard uh, game, which you don't really expect from Big Gotta Ben. Got to go back to like 2006, 2007 when that happened. Yeah, so so the, the Steelers are struggling a little bit on offense, but they're 2-0. and And now they go to Chicago, uh, Greg, to face the Bears, a Bears team uh, that, you know, has been a little frisky at times but has no wins to show for it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would say that the Steelers made real progress last week, and they were playing a really good defense. They moved the ball up and down the field. They had a lot of penalty yards some, from some of those long throws. I thought it did look like Le'Veon Bell again. It didn't quite show up on the stat sheet, so maybe the offensive line, but I'm just giving credit to Minnesota because those hops and those movement and everything that gets you excited about Le'Veon Bell was like, oh, okay, yeah, he he's back. And I think they were just playing a good opponent, and they also knew they were going against Case Keenum. They kind of sat on that lead at, at times. And I liked what I've seen because they're a little more balanced as a team now. They have a defense, they have the running game, and, and they're coming along on offense. I think Steelers fans would tell you that their number one complaint during the Mike Tomlin era is how often they go on the road and lose to one of the worst teams yeah. in the NFL. And I think the difference this week will be that that – Young Steelers' defense might be the best defense in the AFC. They are phenomenal. Better than the Ravens. Mm. Can't, well, all right. The Ravens are better just because they – Bad news for the rest of the AFC. They North. turned the ball over so much. But Cameron Hayward is playing out of his mind. T.J. Watt's the real deal. I don't know if he's playing this week or not. But he's a legitimate star. And then guys like Vince Williams, they let Lawrence Timmon walk – and Vince Williams has the best game of his career last week against the Vikings. It's a great sign James Harrison isn't playing anymore. That shows they finally have progress with well, the younger guys. That's what said, exactly. And it's like it, 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 they're developing these players. And I think if you're a Steelers fan, 
it, you didn't get out of the a gate here two and one. You you handled both of these teams, and you there, there's been so few instances where Big Ben, Lev Bell, Antonio Brown, and Martavis Bryant have been on the field together. It's something like 13 out of 56 games. They've been so talent poor at cornerback, for instance, in recent years, and now you look at Artie Burns, who's coming along, and Joe Hayden, and you're like, okay, that's a pretty talented cornerback oh, yeah. group. Yeah, they're a really talented defense. I mean, look at how many first and second rounders are on that defense. Uh, let's move on, gentlemen. The uh, a battle of two and O teams, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the defending NFC North, uh, NFC champions, have uh, shaken any doubts of a Super Bowl hangover with a nice start here, uh, including a decisive win against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. But now they go to Detroit, and uh, Mark Sessler, uh, the Lions are one of the surprises of the NFL. A two and O. Why have have the Lions thrived early on this year? Well, for me, it starts with Matthew Stafford. I mean, we, who I think, you know, we've watched the Lions for years, and Stafford, for so long, was one of the most frustrating quarterbacks. Streaky, unpredictable, would let the team down, and then turn around and have a glorious game out of nowhere. We're getting the consistent Matthew Stafford now, dating back to last season, and I think this Lions team is not a fluky roster. They're, they're starting to find pieces on both sides of the ball. I loved Jamal Agnew last week, Jared Davis as well. Bob Quinn as a GM is starting to build something here that's for real. This has game of the week potential because the Falcons, anyone who thought there would be some sort of a letdown, I think it's the obvious I th- or the, op- the opposite. I think that they are coming into their own again, and it's a great matchup. It's a great sign that they've gotten out of the gate like this. Uh, does anybody else have concerns that it's a bit of a mirage with Detroit despite the 2-0 start? No, I thought I would. But while I wasn't paying attention to them, they got legitimate, I think. I mean, they <laughs> Maybe got, it's taking the summer off. Maybe that is what this is. I think it is. Right, just because they got lucky. <laughs> it, was, it was coming Less to training camp. Less effort in the offseason. Yeah. I think it, every team should do that. That would solve all the scoring issues, the lethargic start to the season. Everybody show up in August. Who knew that guys like Anthony Zettel and Jeremiah Ledbetter would be caving the pocket? The in yellow the Ledbetter. Yeah, they, they've certainly played two offenses that you know are struggling right now. Giants are an acid. In, in Arizona up. and the Giants. And so now you have to play Atlanta, who's maybe not as explosive as they were a year ago, but they've been extremely efficient. They've got as many options, and at so far the Steve Sarkeesian era has been just fine. I'm not worried about it. you know I wouldn't be too worried. I don't about like it. them losing Vic Beasley. I think that's a that takes a big element of their defense away, especially when the Lions have a turnstile like Greg Robinson yep. at tackle. Look terrible. That it, guy stinks. The, the thing terrible. is, their their defense at least now is deeper. Like Trufant's back in the secondary now. Devondre Campbell is making a lot of big plays at, at linebacker. I think Grady Jarrett who could have been the Super Bowl MVP practically, uh, has maintained his game. So it's like they have more than just Beasley, so that's good, and he will be back later. In Let's the pick this game. Ooh. Mark. Well, I'll go with what I went with on our Pick'em show, which is Smart. the Falcons. Score? 48-0. to zero. What? Wow. No, I, no, no. I, I, let's go 24-21 overtime. I just was smelling like uh, Pride of the Lions blog. Mark Sessler <laughs> says lines are losing by 48. You know, firebomb oh, his Twitter. Mark and, endless, endless tweets from Michigan. Savage burn on Lions. What? Well, I think the Lions are a legitimate 9 or 10 win team, but this isn't the dysfunctional Giants they're playing against. This is mm. the most loaded team in the NFC, and I think the Falcons are the better team, so I'm going with them. I uh, I want to pick the Falcons, but I need to I need to be on this hill. 
that there will be one surprise team everybody's going to be talking about. I thought it would be the Rams. Wrong. <laughs> it will be the Lions who move to 3-0 and with a narrow victory. Another one of those late, uh, late pull-out jobs by Matthew Stafford. Uh, pull out that quote to sell this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Lions win in a tight one, 23-20. I like Dan picking a, a new surprise team every week. Yeah. At some point, this he, is he actually had a yeah. lock against the Lions last week. Now he's the, now they're the surprise team. Listen, you gotta. It's trial and error. I think it's a co- I think it's a coin flip game, but I do like uh, I like the Falcons as as a team with the best roster in the NFC. Score. Oh, we need a score. 31-28. Are you listening anymore? 31-28. Other people talk. I never gave a score. Yeah. What's your score? 33-27, Phil. Mm. Good job. There we go. Moving on, the Cleveland Browns uh, are now traveling to – Yeah, that just pick on me. He didn't have a score either. Wes just got back from his first show back from cancer. I'm going to go after the guy. I'm not going to do it, Greg. (laughs) Don't make me do it. You're not my boss anymore. You can't force me to go after the guy coming back. All right. Awkward. He just got off the IR boomerang. I'm playing. With I'm you. going after him, anyways. All right, coming for you, Wes. Don't pull any punches. <laughs> All right, so that's a good game. This one's not so good. The Browns traveling to the Indianapolis Colts, two zero and two teams, uh, and uh, the Colts couldn't find a way to 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 put the Cardinals away at home. So now they get another chance, uh, Wes, uh, with the Browns who. Last week was a dispiriting game in the sense that the court, the rookie didn't play well. He also left the game briefly, and it just kind of felt like the Browns teams we've known in the last five, six years. Uh, what were your takeaways? Well, I think what's also dispiriting is Kenny Britt, I mean, basically pulling a Dwayne Bow. He's just going through yeah. the motions out there. Sammy Coates was kind of going through the motions at times in the fourth quarter too. So, And then on the other side, the, the Colts – uh, columnists are all calling out Dante Moncrief for going through the motion. And T.Y. Helton. What's up with Hilton. these wide receivers? Divas. So, I, to me, the Colts' defense came to play last week. I, I know Carson Palmer ended up with 330 yards, and I don't think he's as washed up as people say he is, but the Colts' defense came to play, and John Simon was one of the best mm. free agent signings of the offseason. I see a Browns team that can't run the ball, that it bothered me always that they put as much faith in they, as they did in Isaiah Crowell as essentially the only running back they have with Duke Johnson, essentially a slot receiver at this point. I just, I Cleveland, I mean, what happened last week too, to have your quarterback of a migraine, you got to put Kevin Hogan in there in it's week bizarre. two. It's crazy. It's, it's not good. But I, I still think that Kaiser has moments where you see plenty of reason for encouragement, but he also is getting sacked left and right, holding the ball too long. I think he's holding the ball longer than any quarterback in the league, according to Next Gen. I have to check that one out. It, it It's not a complete offense right now. And speaking of Kenny Britt, Hugh Jackson basically said he had a man-to-man conversation with him. He had to, he had to step up and be a leader. They paid him a lot of money. I it's, would love to be a fly on the wall when those conversations were had before the season when they signed him. They're, how could they have not seen these red flags with this guy? It just it's How is he still in the league is my other question. It's amazing because... I think effort-wise, if you put on 2016 tape, Kenny Brick catching passes from Case Keenum and Jared Goff yeah. put out 100% effort on, on just about every play. So maybe you can say, well, they should have known a guy like Kenny Britt as soon as he got that payday would pack it in. But how do you know that kind of stuff? I think this is a really uncomfortable game and a big game for the Browns and Hugh Jackson and fans like Mark you know, who have invested in, I just mean Browns fan in general, in this kind of rebuild because there's so few games where there's expectations 
I can't imagine they've been a road favorite for a long time. And if you do go to Indianapolis and you do lose to Jacoby Brissett, it shouldn't like change everything about their rebuild, Ooh, but it's gonna feel like a piece of that Jake Brisket. Couldn't agree more. It's gonna feel like what are we doing here? We're zero and three, and we just lost to Jacoby Brissett. So there's actually a little bit of pressure on the Browns to come through and, and get. This. I talked to a GM last year who said it was a team building type story. And he said, "Look, if you don't see in any rebuild, any sort of restructuring of your team, genuine progress in year two, you have reason to believe it's not happening." Uh, let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had the hurricane bye in week one, uh, but then showed up and played exactly, you know, sometimes when you watch Hard Knocks, you get excited about a team, and then the season starts like, oh, what happened to the fun, perfect team from the summer? They look pretty fun and perfect. 29-7 win over the Bears, exactly what you expected them to do at home. And now they they get the Vikings on the road, and I, I think, uh, Greg, that the, the, the Vikings are a tough team in their building. So I think a lot of people are going to pick the Vikings. I mean, pick the Bucks. but I, I think people should look at the Vikings as a team that could be just about anybody at home with that defense. Absolutely. And as we tape this, it's trending towards Sam Bradford playing and the Vikings would be my pick if they do play. I think it, it's a coin flip game, but you have to give a lot of respect and to the, the continuity and the talent on this defense and Tampa through no fault of their own. They scored 26 points last week like it was nothing. The defense turned the ball over in their end. I mean, Jameis Winston had a very control. He didn't have to do anything. It wasn't his fault. He barely had to do anything. It was a, a very unflashy game. He just missed Deshaun Jackson a few times. And I like this Vikings defense because they've been there. And unlike a lot of defenses, there's eight, nine, ten guys. They just stay out on the field mostly. And they're, and they're great players. There's not a lot of substitution. There's not a lot of different formations. It's just like... These are the guys we have, and they're good, and I, I think they're going to be tough to beat at home. I think on a neutral field, the Buccaneers have reached the point where they're the equal of the Vikings on defense. Yeah. Oh, on defense. On defense, and I think with a limited Sam Bradford, he's practicing this week, but got that knee injury. Who knows how mobile he'll be? And I was really impressed with the Bucks front seven. They got a rookie named Kendall Beckwith yeah. playing at linebacker. This is the best linebacker core the Buccaneers have had in the past decade, I think. Quan Alexander was great in week one. Levante David looks like the guy he's supposed to be. And Gerald McCoy was all over the offensive line in that game. I like Mike Evans describing the fact that he went without facing double coverage last week for the first time really in his career. He talked about the freedom of that and that you suddenly have Deshaun Jackson on the other side. And Mike Evans, I think that could lead to a monster season for him. It really could. And, like, uh, the Bucks just have so many different weapons. I, I'm i picking them in this game. Um, and I never thought I'd say this, but please, Sam Bradford, let me watch you on Sunday. And there's, <laughs> there's nothing personal against Case Keenum, who seems like a very nice guy. I just can't watch the guy. I, it's a non-starter. When he's involved, it's just it's not fun football to watch. And we've seen enough mediocre football this season. Sam Bradford on the field that Monday night in week one. That was fun football to watch him moving that offense. Let's get him back in the field. Moving on. Now they're like, oh, let's get him back on the field. Did you hear the podcast? <laughs> Otherwise, just like, eh, whatever. That's why they were keeping we'll the one week it. to six week Thinking window. Open. Right. Yeah, they were waiting to see where Massively indifferent until Dan made that point there. Uh, all right, here we go. On to the throne of ease where the New England Patriots, they got healthy against uh, the Saints uh, and that, that woeful Saints defense. But, you know, take nothing away from Tommy Boy and company. They they did what they did. They diagnosed the weaknesses of a poor defense and then attacked it mercilessly. 
So they're one and one. And now they get the Houston Texans in their building. And you would think, uh, Mark Sessler, that this all trends towards the Patriots. And I think the quarterback position is why. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. But Deshaun Watson, a rookie, a kid, Going into Gillette in this setting, it just feels it feels all sorts of wrong. Yeah, no rookie quarterback has beaten Belichick in New England, dating back to the year 2000, and that's not going to change on Sunday. Wes, we watched, we suffered through, I should say, that Texans-Bengals game last week. I don't love the way the Texans offense is built right now where you're kind of relying on a big play from Watson on the ground. I just don't, it's just a, a weapons-depleted uh, operation right now. In the, on the flip side, New England, we were texting about it yesterday, the utter madness against the Saints where you're deploying running backs as wideouts. You have run, wideouts doing jet sweeps and running the ball. You got fullbacks in the doing game. Doing everything. They have six players snaps. with 100 scrimmage yards this season, and it looks that way when you watch them. They're incredibly versatile, and it was a powerful bounce-back game. Dan had me shook in the NFL kickoff game a little bit, <laughs> how excited he was that Tom Brady might actually be gradually declining, finally. Mm. And then he throws up one of the best first halves of his entire career against the Saints last week. I mean, his pocket movement and ball placement were phenomenal last week. There's nothing wrong with this Patriots offense. No, but they're they're a little short on players. I think Philip Dorsett is going to be an important player for them. He really surprisingly looked like something yeah, last They're short week, on players. When, what are the Browns? When, since when does Philip Dorsett make plays? That's what I'm saying. I mean, he started making plays just because he's in New England. It's amazing that that, that trade is really going to – it's going to be a great win-win, I think, where both players make a pretty big impact to Kobe Brissett and Philip Dorsett. I guess it's not rocket science. It's like a lot of veterans, especially wide receivers, it seems, go to New England and some of them get it and get the Patriot way and, and – are able to grasp the playbook. And those guys that are able to do that succeed because they're the best quarterback ever and a genius coaching the team. And maybe he's one of those guys. But I think a lot of people, myself uh, included, are surprised that this particular player, he seemed like one of those guys that maybe it wouldn't work out, but maybe it does. Maybe they have another weapon now. Well, they, they do such a good job when their offensive weapons buy into Tom Brady's methodology, buy-in completely. We've seen that with James White, who I thought, going back to his rookie year, we were so unimpressed with him. He has replaced Edelman for the time being in terms of this mind meld that he has with Brady. He was incredible last week. And the way that they're using him, and you say they don't have offensive players. They They got plenty. Like 12 people last week. Okay, that's fair. They're a little thinner at the skill positions. And then it's funny because you can go out of favor quickly too. Alan Branch got benched last week. Malcolm Butler spoke on Thursday saying he he wasn't surprised he was benched. They're doing that guy dirty. Because he hasn't. I know, they – I, I it occurred to me that they rubbed it in his nose a little they're bit. They're doing in New Orleans, the team that wanted to trade him and wanted to give him a good contract. They're like showing the Saints, hey, this guy's not <laughs> that, that good. good. It feels like Jamie Collins all over again. A contract issue starts to affect. Maybe it's in his head, or maybe the Patriots are just like, you know what, we got to start. There, there were some. Out. There were some whispers a little bit that maybe it was a distraction for him. That's loyal. Uh, their their left tackle Nate Solder's not playing very well. It is going against JJ Watt. It should be mentioned that the Tets, Texans defense 
played more than well enough to beat the Patriots last year, played better than any defense did in the pay- in the playoff, really stopped them cold. If they had any offense, they could have won that game. So you got to give their defense a little credit. Not when they were facing Jacoby Brissett earlier in the season. No, I'm, no, no. But it, they, they did yeah. what it mattered. They went, into, they went into Foxborough, and they made Tom Brady look bad for three quarters. But if this is possible, they arguably have less of an offense right now than they did last yeah, year. This time. It's Here. absolutely true. DeAndre Hopkins is literally the only guy who they throw to. For the 80th it's year insane. in a row. Like, but like 80% that. of the targets to the receivers are going to Hopkins. Um, one thing sports sometimes don't make sense. This is so far, you know, the year of the de- year of defense. And Houston's defenses look fine. But we're now two games in. Zero sacks for Watt, uh, Merciless, and Clowney. Who, by the way, I have a sandwich bet on him getting 12 and a half. It's not looking good so far. Uh, they have to. Watt well, looked great last week. They hung, I'm not worried about yeah, him. Clowney's hung, been quiet. They hung in that playoff game last January. Uh, they would need a similar uh, effort, and then the quarterback kid's got to make some plays. Keep an eye on Patriots rookie Dietrich Wise Jr., who was phenomenal yeah. last week. And the Texans have been forced to play six or seven offensive linemen at a time. Uh, let's move uh, to the Meadowlands, where the Miami Dolphins coming off their week one win. Uh, they escaped with a win uh, off a missed field goal against the Chargers, but they're 1-0, good for them. And now they travel to the Meadowlands, and they have a good situation because the New York Jets are their opponent, who just got waxed by the Raiders and can't put too much uh, into not being able to hang with the Raiders. They're basically in two different leagues. I was a little bit annoyed, I have to say. I think... Jet fans in general are starting to lose patience with Todd Bowles. Everyone knows he's been handed an impossible assignment. But when the the talk after the game is like how happy he was with the effort of the players and all this stuff, and I know he's going up to players in front of the media, like patting him on the back and saying, you know, to keep going for it, keep trying. I get he's in a tough spot, but this idea that, hey, great effort and you're 45-20 loss, don't like it so much. And I also don't like their chances against Jay Cutler, who uh, Wes always seems to play well against the Jets. I don't care what uniform he's in. Yeah, Cutler still looks a little rusty to me, and I, I think he started out 15 of 19, but it seemed like only one of those throws went beyond 10 yards. I mean, everything was short early in that game. What what The matchup I like here is Jay Ajayi. The Dolphins run blocked well. He created yards on his own last week too, and the Jets' defense, I mean, we knew their offense was going to be bad, but – Jalen Richard has a big game. Cordero Patterson as a runner has a big game. Lynch is running them over. I don't think the Jets have some defense that, that people should be scared of. I feel like that was the Leonard Williams game. I haven't seen him really be controlled the way he was in that game. That Oakland offensive line took the Jets down. And Ajayi is set up to just have a monster season, to be the RB1, I think, in fantasy leagues potentially because he didn't get any run blocking last year, and he fought – hard and I love the way he looks especially against the team and then on on the flip side let's just give a little love to uh Indomitian Sue last week put together one of the best uh games we've seen by any player at any position this ever this season no, oh. no, not ever but just in the first <laughs> right, sorry. two weeks he was looking like old Nebraska Sue or oh yeah I don't if he can show up like that every week like I don't know did you just cite College game tape of Domkin Sue. That was good. I I'm like just it. saying he yeah. he was like one of the most dominant yeah. defensive players in college history. Um, Old Nebraska Sue sounds like a woman you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. And by the way, I think the Dolphins will win this week. And I look at the Jets' schedule. Their next three you games. Want to lock this one up too? No, I already did. Am I allowed? To? You can't lock against the Jets at this point. I feel like. Um, 
if they don't win at home against Miami, at home against Jacksonville, or at Cleveland, I start to get worried. That that Jets-Cleveland game is starting to feel intriguing. Jermaine Curse. It might be for both of them their best (laughs) chance to get a win. Jermaine Curse, one guy really playing well for the Jets. Yeah, he's doing good. He is. That trade's not looking so bad. Second round pick. It looks great for one wide considering for them. the circumstances. I think it was great for them. Uh, let's check in at the the other New York slash New Jersey team, the New York Giants. Zero and two, desperation time. Two stinkers in prime time, and I've defended the Giants in prime time, and as well as I've defended Eli. Can't defend anything right now because <laughs> keep them off prime time until they're going to score some points and give us some excitement. Now they go to the Philadelphia to face the Eagles. And, uh, Greg, in this game, you know what? I thought, you know, they, they took care of business, the Eagles, in, in week one, and the Redskins were sloppy. They didn't win last week in Arrowhead, but I was very impressed by the Eagles in general in that game. And I like the Eagles. I, I, I think they're probably my favorite team in, the, in this division right now. And this, it would say a lot to me if they can win this home game against the Giants, really put a division foe and who's been a, a thorn in their side really bury them a little bit because it's a huge, huge game for the Giants. It's not as big for the Eagles because this whole division's up and down. I look for the Giants to make some changes. I mean, McAdoo said maybe he's not going to call the plays. We'll see. Maybe Flowers might get benched. What are what is, what is are his answers? Because I think this is the week that I think they make some changes. Maybe Brandon Marshall doesn't play at all. I don't, I don't really know. Well, the offseason was the time to make changes. Right. Time to get a, a left tackle, the time to sign a, a wide receiver who's probably not at the end of the line like Brandon Marshall. I, I don't know. If, I don't think this offense is it's, fixable. This, this is a defense they should be attacking, though, because the Eagles are missing two starters, at least in the secondary with hamstring injuries. So normally you would go into that game and say, OK, let's let's attack them through the air. Except attack them with what? Uh, Paul Perkins, who's rushing for like what 1.8 yards per carry. I mean, they have no, they have no reliable ground game. You immediately, Eli Manning. We we can all see he is at the end of the road, but he's in a terrible position too. He's back there getting killed. There's no balance to the offense. I think the Eagles could romp romp what, this one. One thing with um, and everybody's talking a lot about the lack of scoring. I think Wes, you brought it up. You mentioned it, so I'll, I'll bring up something I was thinking about. So obviously, one of the problems right now is there's not a good enough good quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and that's a problem, and that leads to lack of scoring. But there's also seems to be like an offensive line issue going on here. The Giants are a perfect example because they knew they had major line, line issues at the end of last season, and then they went into an offseason where we, we were told there wasn't a lot of talent in the draft and there wasn't a lot of talent in free agency. So the Giants just like shrugged their shoulders and said, we'll just stick with this line and try to get them right. But it kind of shows they didn't have options. They could have thrown a lot of money out there or taken a chance. Should have tried they, something. They took another road. They did try something, which is try to develop these guys, and it's not working. But I think maybe there's more than just the quarterback. Same thing in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think one of the major storylines of last season and this season is is the dearth of quality offensive linemen, compounded by the fact that nobody plays their starters in the preseason anymore, which means your first month of the season is really preseason now. I want to see what Carson Wentz does against the Giants defense, which has been fine. They haven't really disappointed. Wentz is a strange guy. I don't think he looks quite as good as his numbers indicate this year. Like He is already right there with with young Cam Newton or whoever as one of the best improvisational quarterbacks in the league. Like, he is tough to take down. He's great. That's his game, but he's also really erratic and misses a lot of really routine plays. That's a double-edged sword because he's too frenetic in the pocket. He's too careless with the ball. And I caught him last week 
a couple instances where he, he bringing out that long looping throwing motion. He, he'll miss screen passes like his it's the num- worst screen pass quarterback <laughs> in the league. His numbers look great, but it, he's and he's fun to watch. But he's just you sort of don't know what you're going to. Is do. there a team you trust in this division more than the Eagles? The Cowboys. I do. There. The other thing with Carson Wentz is the volume. I mean, there's a stat out there that in his first 18 games as starter, all time, Andrew Luck's the only guy that's thrown more passes. They're putting a lot on his plate. He's still young and developing. They don't really have the running game. I bet game. they won't run it this week against the Giants. They, they don't won't even try. That's asking them. They're putting a ton on the kid's plate. Yeah. A ton. LeGarrette Blunt did nothing last week. He barely even played. Wendell Smallwood is like a third or fourth running back on most teams. Call him small time. So you don't. I mean, he's he's a role player. They don't have a, a good running game. I wouldn't expect that to be much different the rest Darren of the Sproles season. Darren Sproles is going pretty strong at 34. Well, he's he's, an, he's an amazing good. NFL career, Darren Sproles. Saints gave up on him three or four years ago. They could have used Darren Sproles this whole time. Garrett Blunt back on the Patriots by week 10. <laughs> I can totally see it. And by the way, the Vultures, I'm not picking the Giants this week. The Vultures are circling Ben McAdoo in New York the way they once circled Ray Hanley. And they once circled Dan Reeves. Then they start to turn on you. I don't think Ben is somebody – I just called him by his first name. I don't think he's going to be able to handle it. I think the teams, they're going to have a down year, and I think he's going to go. He was getting testy with the, with the media this week. I'm talking hot butt. He might be the first guy to go or so, like that type of situation uh, if they don't find a way to win this game, and yet I don't think they will. They're not I mean, he's one for one in playoff appearances in his career and does work for a very patient owner. They're not yeah. a good team. Hanley was one and done. I'm just saying. Well, what sometimes. about the what about the general manager? I mean, we, everything we just discussed has a lot to do with with them as with him as well. All right, let's uh, move on. The Seattle Seahawks. Ugh, I'm so annoyed by the Seahawks. You want to talk about everything we were excited about? The thing. Oh, this is going to be a fun season. I think Russell Wilson was going to be the MVP before the season started. I thought they were going to score piles of points. And now when I watch the Seahawks, they're just getting boring. It's just like the same thing. A 12-9 win over the 49ers at home. Come back to us. Seahawks. Now you go to Tennessee, and I'll tell you what. Interesting, interesting game, Mark Sessler, against the Titans, who got healthy against the Jaguars, did what they had to do. Now they get a second chance in their building to prove uh, to the world, but specifically the old Zeuser, that they're not the Titans. Well, when we want to talk about the offensive line crisis, (laughs) I think Seattle's another team to point to. Russell Wilson, weeks ago, was 100% healthy, like we talked about, he had lost weight. We were all very high on the idea that this offense could shine. And they're in the same predicament they were last year and the year before in terms of their offensive line. And I trust Seattle to kind of round into shape on offense. They've started slow under Pete Carroll over and over. But this feels different to me. I, I really? just I, This offensive line, I, I just don't trust this team to necessarily sort of these 12-4, and 13-3 and 3 heights that people were talking about a month ago. Yeah, I know everyone expects the Seahawks. This is the same old story. They'll be fine. They'll right the ship, and by the end of the year, they'll be in the playoffs. But these things add up over time, and your quarterback starts to fall into bad habits. Yeah. And last yeah. week, he caused a couple of those sacks. His delivery looks a little bit different now, and I think if year after year after year, you have to start the first two months of the season with your quarterback running for his life, those things add up. The, the week. The game against the 49ers was really concerning if you're a Russell Wilson fan. So I, I really am curious to watch this one because no, the one thing you don't worry about him is his th- like throwing ability. And that was where he had just a couple weird ones that were, where it came out really funny. I think Wes and a lot of people noticed that he had a little bit of that 
Bortles wind up out of nowhere. Which, I don't know. He's always had that. And DJ, but it was Daniel more. Jeremiah has talked about it, but it looked worse last week. I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. <laughs> and the balls came out funny. He had a couple that were just like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised Russell Wilson threw that. Jeremiah had that motion in college himself. He stays <laughs> well, in that, is, that is at best – Tape study. Rumor. Well, this is Tape the study. this is the week though, uh, uh, Dan. Yes. You know, for you to, to for the Titans to finally kill your little tycoon. <laughs> I mean, what more do they? I dare you. What do they, more do they have to do? I mean, Marcus Mariota dropping Win. pretty passes up the seams. What a great matchup, him versus <laughs> Earl Thomas. What else do they have to do? They have to win. Yeah, win this week, and then it should be over. What did Wes? What did Adrian say to Rocky when she was on the? bed after the the baby uh, scare and Rocky was about to go to the arena and he's like, Adrian, are you okay? And, and there's one thing I want to tell you, Rocky, uh, one thing. And what'd she say, Wes? I would guess I love you. <laughs> How about maybe something like, you know, knock him out? She said she win. Said she oh. said win. Oh. And what did Rocky she do? She said go Titans. <laughs> Let's win. see if they win. I, I think they, I think they can, I think they will win this game. I, I'm picking them to win. And this isn't a perfect Seattle team, so they should and, win. And I, and I wonder now. Demarco Murray's missing time with his hamstring injury. Good. He looks really s- slow and tentative now, this, now, this season. And Derrick Henry looked great, and that made them look like the Titans again last week. And I, I think that's it's a great matchup against. I love the best this game. thing for this Titans offense is for Murray to sit out with that hamstring and not come back until he's a hundred percent because Derrick Henry's the best. Running back on this team right now. Let's move on. The Cincinnati Bengals. Winless. Yikes. Haven't scored a touchdown yet. Yikes. Fired their offensive coordinator. Yikes. But guess who's here? Who? Bill Lazor. <laughs> Maybe they'll score He's some back. touchdowns. And again, just like I was saying, when you bang yourself with two straight losses to start the season, when you double bang yourself with two straight home losses of the season, the schedule gods, they just throw up a big F you. And they say, now go to Green Bay and try to save your season. That's your punishment, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> the only two teams Aaron Rodgers has not beaten in his career are the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow, well, I think that might change. Yeah, I think. I feel like it's it's a little it's almost unfair to include the Packers on that list, but I'll let you I'll let it pass. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just being technically correct. Here's but what another. about Bill Lazor? Well, here's Bill Lazor's challenge. Bill, right now, the Cincinnati Reds are scoring more Ooh. per outing than Ooh. the Cincinnati Bengals. Good baseball ref, Mark. Uh, he, he talked this week about like our new plan is going to be get the ball out of his hands faster. It's like what was the plan before? Like Martin, <laughs> Andy Dalton's just like going Hold back there, like uh, Terry Bradshaw throwing bombs. That's not what they were doing. Well, I know uh, Adam Gase gets a ton of credit for what he did with Ryan Tannehill. I think the best ball Tannehill ever played was under Bill Lazor when they were running that quick attack, Ooh, quick yeah. throw off, and and not give me another one. It might take a few weeks for Andy Dalton to get used to that new offense, though. I think the Packers should be excited, even though they lost last week. Randall Cobb looks like he's back. Looks like Randall Cobb. Banged Clay up. Matthews kind of looks like he's Clay Matthews again. There's some good. There's some good signs here for the Packers. Are those even lasers, by the way? I think we need to upgrade the lasers. We, can, we, can we need like the like the Star Wars like laser beam shooter. We need like a different laser. That that will be a good job, a task for you, Eric. The laser for beam show. shooter. Yeah, one of those stupid guns that the aliens shoot with oh, the right. white masks. <laughs> I know. What, the, you're talking about the people in the exoskeletons, the stormtroopers? Stormtroopers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're, they're just not aliens. They're soldiers. <laughs> they're based. Okay, now that, that's you, a got, you brought us closer there. That's right. a little better. Aren't they based on Hitler's SS troops? 
I think there's some. That's there's why there's some shared lineage th- there. Yeah, oh absolutely. God. I know. I know we have to move on. But quickly, did Hitler just come up. On the how podcast? does Bill Lazor fix the Bengals' offensive line? No. Tell me that. <laughs> I want to know uh, just for our, some of our confused listeners, and I and I. It's so great to have Wes back here to answer this question. Explain to the listeners how the start to the season, mm. how that impacts the Dalton scale. And and what it really means. Some people are asking, like, oh, does this mean he's so bad it messes up the Dalton scale? I thought this was about West of us, but go ahead. Answer that first. I mean, the, he's been perfect for the Dalton scale all along because exactly. he is so reliant on his surrounding talent and coaching. That's why he's the perfect prime meridian because Andy Dalton's the same quarterback he's ever been. It's just that his offensive line is worse now than it's ever been. The running game is inconsistent. There's no number two receiver to step up. Opposite AJ Green and Tyler Eifert hasn't been playing as well. But the scale still makes sense. He's the prime uh, Meridian. Right. If you have a franchise quarterback better than him, counterpoint. You don't need to look for one. How many quarterbacks, when you lay out all those things, would do the same exact thing? They, they, a lot of quarterbacks, unless you're talking about the great ones, sink and swim. Right. He's always been thoroughly average. A lot of quarterbacks raise the level of the talent around them. He has never been able to do that. League needs more of those guys yes, that raise do. their team. Uh, all right, moving on. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, 2-0, and travel to Los Angeles and the StubHub Center. I call it Mark Sessler Memorial Stadium. <laughs> One Listen, day. I'm going to bring you to one of those games, and you're going to – I will, I can't yourself. wait. I'm looking forward to it. No, they, only, I, you know. they only usually do that after the person is you know, deceased. Yeah, I know. More wish casting by Dan. Yeah, that's like one day they'll name it Mark Sessler Memorial. But a, like, a soccer stadium that at that point will no longer house the Chargers will be named after me. I have never been to a be soccer like, game. They're in like, my remember life. that article he wrote that Monday morning on the <laughs> yeah. first game? We're not going to name it Memorial Stadium. Like, good for luck a long finding that time. on NFL.com. A long time. I'm talking like seven or eight years it's going to take. So here we go. The Chargers 0 2. Because their kicker couldn't make a kick uh, as much as we support cool. him. Uh, we love Koo. Uh, uh, now they get the Chiefs, uh, Greg, and uh, it feels like the Chargers are about to go 0-3. What do you think? This is a winnable game for them. Let's not make the Chiefs into some unbeatable squad. And the Chargers Too late, have, have been there both weeks, and they look like a middle-of-the-road team that finds a way to lose games, unfortunately. I would be worried about two things. Number one, what's this? if we thought there was a lot of Dolphins fans there, that's going to be a sea of red on Sunday. Chiefs travel. And, and I'm sure the Chargers brass are, are a little concerned about that crowd being almost two-thirds Chiefs and going wild or something. Mm-hmm. And then second, who's stopping Cream Hunt? Because the Chargers can't stop anyone on the ground right now. They're giving up big lanes bo- both weeks. And to try to stop this Kansas City attack is going to be tough. I thought we'd get more with – the way Anthony Lynn loves to coach offense, Melvin Gordon in this ground game has Taking been time completely unreliable. There's no sustaining element in their offense because they can't run block. So you, their offense is entirely reliant on Phillip Rivers getting time to get in a rhythm. And that's why for quarters at a time, they don't move the ball much. Mm-hmm. And then, But they, when they seemed like they needed to or when they got in catch-up mode, I guess. It's like he's throwing pretty passes. He's th- he's getting 15, 20 yards. Keenan Allen looks pretty good. Like, got, they look good. Yeah, they. you look at them, and they've got so much talent that, that you think, well, Travis Benjamin should get a few more throws. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry should be more involved. They've just got too many mouths to feed in, in an offensive line that doesn't necessarily let them feed those mouths. They have lost seven straight games dating back to last season, and have seven blown leads. The point where they had to have the team meeting this week where Anthony Lynn had to talk about the fact that this isn't the same old Chargers. 
I think it's concerning in coming out of week two when you have to tell your athletes that this, you know, worry about the, don't get involved in the, in the mind games here. It's not going to happen again. We're not the same old thing, but they, they look and exactly Ant- like last year's. And Anthony Lynn, and, you know, best of luck to him and everything, but he's now 0 for 2 in late game situations and how he's handled the game, in my opinion, and it's contributed to, to those losses. Yeah. It could well. easily be 2-0. That's the crazy easily, thing. Easily, but that's the story of the Chargers. Don't care what city they, they play for. Uh, one other thing to watch, the Chiefs have now uh, have four plays of 50-plus yards. That's the same amount they had all last year. I'm really curious. Wow. Is that going to be uh, something that keeps up, the, keeps up the season, or is it just kind of a mirage, early season mirage? Uh, because if, if, if not, if they are a chunk play team now, that will be one of the biggest surprises of the season. Well, remember how boring they used to be? And yes. now when you watch this team, like that Eagles game, they're so athletic. That was fun. They have one of the most yeah. athletic quarterbacks in the league. You see Travis Kelsey take off from like the four-yard line, leap, and then land three or four yards deep in the end zone. Mm. You see Daniel Sorensen flying through the air to hit the quarterback. Uh, they've got, you know, Chris Jones has one of the best games you could have as a defensive lineman last week. Justin Houston looks like a defensive player of the year candidate again. This is a talented team. No main weakness. Uh, Sunday night football, the Oakland Raiders uh, travel uh, to, oh, man, let's see, Landover? Landover, Maryland? Is that where this that is? That is the field? FedEx field uh, to face the Washington Redskins. The Skins uh, pulled off. The win with a late Kirk Cousins touchdown pass and then an interception. The Raiders did what you expected them to do, which is kill the Jets. Uh, so now uh, Sunday night football. A little interesting, Mark, Sunday night football matchup. Redskins-Raiders, when it, uh, you wouldn't think that's a good game, but this this is, has a chance to be a very competitive game. Super Bowl rematch from that Marcus Allen explosion way back when in the 80s. The mm. first Super Bowl I think I ever watched. And I think it's an interesting matchup. I mean, I, I like the way that the Raiders are succeeding, the way they're winning games. It starts with their offensive line. They utterly dominated New York last week. And I came into this season wondering if the Raiders would be a team that would be quietly disappointing after last year. But it's the opposite. Because with Marshawn Lynch, you are getting a guy who looks not unlike Terrell Suggs, young and fresh. And he's, he's, he absolutely is the guy they can count on in the ground game. They've got great backup running backs, too. And you've got the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Hey, Mark, how do these guys do it? I don't know how they do it, Dan. Not just like, – What was that? What, inter- what was that interplay? What? I, I don't know. Terrell Suggs, Marshawn Lynch, turning back the clock. Oh, I see. How do they do it? I see. I thought you were talking about the Raiders. Yes, it is concerning to see someone shave 10 years off their physical body. <laughs> Not just the best wide receiver Moving duo. Moving on. But I think you can make a case that the Raiders have the best offensive line in the league the best collection of receiving talent in the league when you add in Jarek Cook, Cordero Patterson to the mix. And they just and, got Seth Roberts paid. Don't forget about Seth. And the best backfield in the league with Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington playing with Marshawn Lynch. You yes. can make the strong case for all of those. That's a lot of things. I mean, Derek Carr, I know he got sacked two plays in a row in week one. He but he's he's faced no, he's great. He's he's faced according to PFL. I like Greg by, correcting me under his breath. He's great. No, no he's good. He's a good player. Uh, good ball player. Go ahead. He's faced the least amount of pressure, I think by a pretty good margin in terms of percentage of plays he's been pressured on according to Pro Football Focus. So it plays out when you when you look at the numbers and a, a sneaky kudos has to go to to Reggie McKenzie, Jack Del Rio, and everyone that decided to can their offensive coordinator a year ago, Bill Musgrave, and promote Todd Downing, who was 
wanted, I believe it was by the Broncos, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, was wanted elsewhere in the league. And a lot of people, I, I'm not smart enough to know, but they think he's one of the the brightest young minds. And if you watch what they've done these first two weeks, they have been very creative mm. and very impressive. And just everything about their team right now is good. I like the guy that Wes pointed out uh, before the season even started, Eddie Vanderdoes. Oh, yeah. I think he's their second best pass rusher right now. There's a lot to like about this team. And even though they're on the road, I think they love being in the spotlight. They're a fun team. Uh-oh. Hello. And that's why I'm locking it up. Oh, boy. Love when Greg's vocal. <laughs> Goes next register like that. Always nice. Locked it up. Redskins are beat up from that game against the Rams, too. That was a bit of a Pyrrhic victory. Um, Nice Pyrrhic victory, ref, in a big spot. Wes is back, baby. (laughs) There are no training wheels. He's back. (laughs) Finally, Monday Night Football. Just because we, you know, we had the Giants on Monday Night Football, NFC East. We got the Redskins on Sunday Night Football, NFC East. But let's just get a little bit more NFC East in there. So the Cowboys <laughs> now uh, travel to face the Cardinals, who, not for nothing, used to be in the NFC East. A uh, 8.30 p.m. <laughs> kickoff with Jay Gruden and, uh, I don't know, Tony Kornheiser. Who's there now? Come on, no, Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough and Jay Gruden. Uh, Tony's on back Night on this season of Monday Night Football. <laughs> He's been gone for 17 years. Well, if Will and Grace came back, come on. Say, guess who's back? Tony Kornheiser. And it's like, what? You guy was terrible. We, anyway. I rooted for him every week. It was like having another team to root for that kept losing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Dennis Miller back in the mix. Uh, yeah, he was fun. Yeah, bam. Uh, so the Cowboys, uh, you know, got embarrassed, let's face it. So you think they're going to show up angry and, and kick some butt against the Cardinals who just barely survived against the Colts. I think that's what's going to happen, Wes. Tell me why I'm wrong. Did the Cowboys Butt kicking for the kick- Cowboys on Monday night. I think people are, speaking of kicking, people are kicking dirt on Carson Palmer's grave way before his – it's, it's preach. Time. Let's it hear it. It is happening. It is happening. Let's hear it. No one has this take right now. Well, I like I'm on Twitter all day on Sunday seeing everybody say who's more washed up than Carson Palmer and Eli Manning. Yeah, I mean, if you watch Eli Manning Speaking and Carson Palmer, it's, it's easy to see which one's washed up and which one's not. Ooh. Palmer is stepping out of trouble. He doesn't move as well as he did 2 years ago when he was going for MVP, but he's stepping out of trouble, threading passes. And and hitting some big passes with the game on the line, I think he looks fine. He's not what he was 2015, but Nick Larry, Larry Fitzgerald is no longer a number one receiver. That's one of their problems. Hmm. David Johnson's gone. Their offensive line isn't very good. When you're when you're three guys you're relying on are Fitzgerald, Chris Johnson, and Carson Palmer. Three guys no longer in the prime of their career. In a league uh, full of bad offensive lines, we've talked about all show. They are ranked 31st. In pass protection, so in by Pro Football Focus, so that's a that's a tough combination for a 38 year old Carson Palmer. And so I I know what you're saying. Yeah, he's thrown some interceptions. A newsflash: he's always thrown a lot of interceptions, and that can go up and down with a little bit of luck. Like he's always going to be aggressive. I'm not even saying he's played well the first. No, time. he has. When you watch him, you can tell physically but, he's still got plenty in the tank. I think the mailman broke it down very well. That all right, maybe he's not washed up, but he's not as good as he used to be. And they're beat up. Their best players got. They're just not good enough. They're not a great team. And I, I think it all depends on what you think about the Cowboys. Uh, me, I think this matchup because if they really are still an excellent team like they were last year, coming off that type of loss, usually good teams, you know, how the like how the Patriots did in New Orleans, they'll bounce back with furious anger. 
Uh, we'll see. It will tell me a lot about the Cowboys. Put it this way. It will tell me a lot about the Cowboys if they struggle and even lose this game. It will, and I don't know if it will happen this week, but I want to see if teams try to mimic what Denver did against the Cowboys. If you really try to completely remove Ezekiel Elliott from the game plan, I don't think that's sustainable as a defensive game plan week after week. I do think Dallas is going to is going to come back here and bounce back big time, but I, that was a cons- – that game, watching what it's happened against Cardinals Denver, defense. it is a good Cardinals defense, but that Cowboys game last week was one of the more concerning things I've seen all season. Well, one of the one of the things I think has gotten lost is the Cowboys have come into this season choosing to minimize Ezekiel Elliott in these first two weeks in terms of their game plan. They were ahead the entire week one, and they threw the ball 39 times, and I think ran it about 18 times. They started last week's game really throwing the ball a lot too. Five and, wide receiver sets. And and it hasn't it hasn't worked out. Now, they could have – I don't know what the reasons are for that. You know, there were reports Ezekiel Elliott showed up to his rookie training camp considerably out of shape. I, I don't know. Like, he definitely looked a little tired late in week one. He also looked – like he has the best instincts of just about any running back out there. So I'm not saying he's in trouble. I don't know what their reasons are, but they've come out kind of as a pass first team, which is a little surprising. Yeah. I mean, to your point, they're running the ball 32.8%, which is like, you know, down 17% from last year. Expect to hear a lot of, uh, like is Dez not washed, but he's struggled a little bit, and he's had impossible matchups to start the year. Basically, facing three of the best cornerbacks in the league back to back to back. Well, give Dan credit for this. You know, sometimes Dan come up comes up with theories where I'm like, is he just throwing darts against the wall? Yeah. yeah. The Dez Bryant thing you've been saying for a while that it's no sure thing that he ever gets back to being a dominant number one receiver, and for the last two years he hasn't been. When's there. the last time he's been throw up the X? I'm in your face. You can't do anything about it, Des. It's been a, a little bit now. A couple of years. So we'll they see. don't even look to him like when they need a first down. It's Witten and Beasley. All right. I do, yeah, sometimes they throw darts. Hey, listen, y'all do sometimes. I'm going to that game, by the way, Cardinals. Y'all yeah. throw darts sometimes. Sometimes that? you hit the bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game. You got to play the game. And the uh, game is darts. All I'm saying is your dart throw is accurate. All right. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate it. Um, it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but at the same time, I like it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, we All right, here's some plugs, first of all. We have our Pick'em show on NFL Network. Uh, that airs Saturday at 9 Eastern. These are all Eastern Standard Time Zone uh, times. 9, 2, and 11 p.m. Uh, and then Sunday morning, 6 a.m. So if you miss all those Saturday airings uh, and you don't have a DVR, which is, you know, kind of sad, but maybe you cut the cord. I don't have a DVR. In that case, I don't know how you even watch it. Getting in the weeds a little bit here. 6 a.m. Eastern, which leads into uh, game day morning with, I think, Connie Fox. Uh, you could watch our show, Pick'em. Uh, we threw some more corn. We're having a fun time doing that. Uh, we are also on Sky Sports overseas. Uh, we'll, the London games, of course, kicking off this week. And uh, we have a, we'll have a report on Sky Sports. Is that correct? Greg? That, that's right. We're not at the usual pregame, postgame time because of the, the London game is changing the whole schedule. But, yeah, we have a segment in there at some point. So, yeah, find us. And finally, uh, old Daddy Zeuser and the Quiet Storm are hopping in the car and going down to San Diego tomorrow to see uh, a U2 concert. Got Mark Hello. coming with me. Uh, and uh, we'll do a live Periscope on the ride down to San Diego. How about that? Why not? Mark. It looks like I surprised Mark with that. <laughs> Mark's face just went from like, I can't wait to hang out with my friend to, what are you doing to me? I couldn't be happier to do a live Periscope. Like we spoke about this before. That's why I'm I was still, surprised by your reaction. No, I'm still, you know, dealing with the massive, like if you don't have a DVR, you're a trash comment. <laughs> 
No, you're just in trouble. I don't know how you see the show. It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> we'll do a live Periscope. Let's say 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Friday. Wes? I have a few plugs of my own. Go ahead. Well, I just want to say thank you to our listeners uh, and readers of the website from all over the world, all over the country, on Twitter, and the uh, around the NFL subreddit for the outpouring of love and support over the past few months. It's been very generous. It's It's been needed, frankly. And thank you to everyone in this room who came to visit me in the hospital for the roughest week of my life. You guys mm. coming and John and Colleen who were there almost every day. Uh, and the Paramore especially who was right by my side through all of this. Thank you to all you guys for being such great friends. You got to uh... – that's awesome, Wes. You got to lock that down, by the way. Let's go. Oh yeah. The, par- the Paramore has <laughs> it's time. She's has been done, an MVP. Yeah, has been incredible throughout this. As if you needed to know anything else about that woman's character. What a woman! I might go get her if you don't. And I'm married. <laughs> I've, I'll talk to my wife about it. Dan, but- you're saying all this out loud, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's been it's amazing to have you Wes, back, Wes. The show is not the same without you, and uh, it feels whole with the mailman. So. That in mind, I get to do an actual sign-out with the whole group here. So excited. Next time you hear from us, it will be uh, the Sunday Night Flagship Show. Uh, so make sure you check it out. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, and The Loose Cannon Behind the Glass. Till Sunday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.